0: Thank you Deb. Our second reading this morning is uh, from the Gospel of John chapter 6 I will read verses 26 through 51. John 6:26 through 51 hear the word of God. that you believe in him whom he sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. Because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophet's. And they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread. That came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Let us pray. Lord Jesus, it is wonderful to hear your words this morning. And we thank you for having inspired the Apostle John to write down these exchanges that you had. We pray this morning that by your living spirit that we might hear and understand what it is that you would have us know and that we would be not just hearers of your word but doers as well. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Those words were spoken by God through the prophet Moses to the people of God living in the Sinai wilderness. Day by day, God was feeding those people with manna, bread that fell from heaven and was collected on the ground each morning. You'll recall that manna was good for that day only and would spoil if you tried to store it. An amazing miracle of God's daily provision of the needs of his people. But God in that circumstance is compelled to remind these people that they don't live by bread alone, by manna alone, but they live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Two kinds of food. One supports life in the moment and another supports life in the light of eternity. Live in the moment, but live in the light of eternity. That is the formula of a well spent life. Live in the moment. But live in the light of eternity. Many of Jesus' teachings point to this prescription for living. And today I will touch on a number of familiar sayings of Jesus which point to this truth. But our reading from John chapter 6 drives this point home in a special way. Live in the moment... But live in the light of eternity, or to use biblical language, enjoy and thank God for your daily bread, for your manna, but make sure that you are also feeding on the eternal bread of life. Our passage this morning from John chapter 6 is part of a long dialogue and discourse on the bread of life, this passage is partly a dialogue, it's partly an exchange between Jesus and the people that he's with, and it's partly a discourse, an extended speech on one topic, the entire passage runs from verse 26 through verse 71. Today I'm going to talk about the first two-thirds of this passage, and next Sunday, while I'm away on study leave at Reformed Theological Seminary, the, the Reverend Christy Bruce will continue our sermon series by preaching on the last third of this discourse. So make sure that you're here next Sunday as well. So let's take a look at our text, beginning at verse 26. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. You'll remember that Jesus is at Capernaum on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He got there by walking across the stormy sea the night before, and the previous afternoon he had fed more than 5,000 people at Bethsaida on the far side of the Sea of Galilee. Because of that remarkable miracle, this crowd has followed Jesus to Capernaum. And Jesus' opening words to the crowd was, You're only here because you got your fill of bread from me yesterday. Jesus rebukes the crowd for only being interested in free bread, in daily bread in bread that they will need to replenish the next day with more bread. Jesus says to the crowd, do not work for the food that perishes, the way the manna perished, but work for the food that endures to eternal life. The crowd, however, misunderstands. In verse 34, the crowd says to Jesus, Sir, give us this bread always. In other words... Give us this bread every day. You gave us bread on Monday. We'll come back on Tuesday and get some more and then Wednesday and then Thursday. What the people wanted was free bread eternally, not free eternal bread. Do you see the difference? What the people wanted was free bread eternally, not free eternal bread. What they wanted was an endless supply of manna, not the word of God. Let me tell you, Jesus did not come into this world to open a soup kitchen or to hand out bread in a bread line. He came into this world to give life to this world, to give eternal life. Yes, Filling our stomachs is important, but at the core of Jesus' teaching in this discourse is the difference between food that perishes and food that leads to eternal life. The difference between manna and the Word of God. When Jesus says that He is the bread of life, He is of course using a metaphor. Jesus is not made out of wheat and yeast. He's not baked in an oven. But like ordinary bread, Jesus satisfies a real hunger and He sustains life. Jesus wants us to understand the difference between food that perishes and food that leads to eternal life. We need both kinds. We have an appetite for both kinds. We need our daily bread for sure, our manna, to sustain our physical lives, and we need spiritual bread to sustain our spiritual lives. Jesus' formula for a well-spent life is to live in the moment and to live in the light of eternity. Our daily bread, our manna, keeps us alive moment by moment, month by month. Not many people neglect that kind of bread. Not many people are underfed by choice. But to live in the light of eternity means to regularly eat of the bread of heaven, the word of God, and some of us, to tell the truth, are starving to death. Live in the moment, but live in the light of eternity. Different kinds of bread satisfy different kinds of hunger, different appetites. Human appetites are nothing more than our response to the absence of things that we need to live and to thrive. We have physical bodies with physical needs and physical appetites. And we have souls with spiritual needs and spiritual appetites. Just as we have physical appetites... And our bodies get hungry and thirsty, we also have spiritual appetites, and our soul gets hungry and thirsty. One kind of bread feeds the body, and another kind of bread feeds the soul. Jesus is a little frustrated with this crowd at Capernaum because they only seem interested in feeding their bodies and they're neglecting the care and the feeding of their souls. Here's the truth. You can have a well-fed, healthy body, but be starving to death spiritually. Jesus warned that being overfed with the stuff of this physical world, being overfed in that way, being overfed with the manna, can in fact lead to a spiritual death. If we constantly stuff ourselves with manna, there's no room left over for the breath, for the bread of life. In Matthew 1924, Jesus speaking to his disciples, says, "It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God." And in case you're thinking that Jesus was only talking about billionaires, notice the reaction of Jesus' disciples. A group of men, average men, who included at least three fishermen and one tax collector that we know. Verse 25, we read, When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? Jesus says, It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples say, Who then can be saved? If we constantly... Gorge ourselves on the bread of this world, on daily bread, on the manna of God's provision for sure. Then we will lose our appetite for the bread of heaven, for the eternal word of God. Live in the moment, yes, but live in the light of eternity. That is Jesus' formula for a well-spent life. We eat to live. We eat to satisfy our appetites. And what we eat determines the kind of life we will live. Let me divide this up this way. I can live in the moment. I can live in the future. And I can live in the light of eternity. Those are three ways that I can live in the here and now. I can live in the moment. To do that, all I need is my daily bread. I can live in the future. To do that, I need to build barns to store up grain to make bread for tomorrow. And I can live in the light of eternity. To do that, I need to eat the eternal bread, the bread of heaven, the word of God. Jesus says a few things about living in the moment. Listen to these familiar passages from the Sermon on the Mount. Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink. Or about your body, what you will wear. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Consider the lily of the fields, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious about itself. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread, our daily manna. In all of these passages, Jesus tells us to live in the moment, not to fret about tomorrow, not to live in the future. Live in the moment, but live in light of eternity. Now, on the opposite side of living In the moment, we find living in the future, and Jesus has a few things to say about that as well. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus offers the parable of the rich fool. Here's what Jesus says. The land of a rich man produced plentifully, and he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. Toward God. When Jesus tells us to not be anxious about tomorrow, when Jesus tells us to not build barns to store our wealth, that makes some of us, those of us who like to plan, a little uneasy. I understand that. But Jesus gives an answer to this unease also in In the Sermon on the Mount, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, the daily bread stuff, will be added to you. If we live in the moment and live in the light of eternity, God takes care of our future. Each kind of bread, daily bread and the bread of life, each kind of bread satisfies a certain kind of desire and brings a certain kind of pleasure. Hunger and thirst are kinds of desire, and when we satisfy those desires, we feel pleasure. If I'm really hungry, nothing is so satisfying as a juicy steak. If I'm really thirsty, nothing is so satisfying as a tall glass of San Pellegrino. When we satisfy our hunger and our thirst, we feel pleasure. So, what kind of hunger does the bread of life, the word of God, satisfy? And what kind of pleasure does it bring? John Piper, a well-known Reformed Baptist pastor and the author of the 1989 bestseller Desiring God, calls his brand of theology Christian hedonism. That's right, Christian hedonism. In the popular sense of the word, hedonism is the pursuit of pleasure. In the technical sense of the word, hedonism is an ethical theory that claims that pleasure, the satisfaction of desire, is the highest good and the proper aim of human life. In Desiring God, Piper writes, quote, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. What Piper is saying is is that God is most honored when we take most pleasure in Him. God is most honored when we let Him satisfy our deepest desires. Piper isn't making up Christian hedonism out of thin air. He actually stands in a very sound theological tradition. Jonathan Edwards, the pastor who sparked what historians call the Great Awakening a religious revival that blazed up and down the eastern seaboard before the American Revolution. Edwards was also interested in what he called the religious affections, the heartfelt pleasures of knowing God. Edwards was the first great American theologian, a thoroughgoing Calvinist, and the first president of what later became Princeton University. He wrote these words, quote, God made the world that he might communicate and the creature receive his glory, but that it might be received both by the mind and the heart. He that testifies his idea of God's glory doesn't glorify God so much as he that testifies also his approbation of it and his delight in it. What Edwards is saying is that it's better to approve of and take delight in God's glory than to simply understand the concept of God's glory. Though he was a great scholar, Edwards thought our heart response to God is more important to our Christian calling than our logical grasp of theology. And deeper still, We find the roots of Piper's idea of Christian hedonism in the Westminster Shorter Catechism, which begins with this question, what is the chief end of man? Or to put it in modern language, what is the purpose for which humans have been created? What is our highest good? And the answer given is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. In other words, you and I have been created and designed for enjoyment and for pleasure. You and I fulfill God's purposes for us when we enjoy and take pleasure in Him. Pleasure is the satisfaction of a hunger, of a thirst, of a desire. And we were designed by God to take pleasure in Him. He satisfies our hunger. He quenches our thirst. That's why Jesus can say to the Samaritan woman at the well that He offers a spring of water welling up to eternal life. That's why Jesus can say to the crowd at Capernaum that He is the bread of life and whoever eats this bread will live forever. At the deepest level of our being, we long for God. We are made in His image, and our longing for Him is imprinted into our DNA. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, God has made everything beautiful and has set eternity into the human heart. We don't believe in God. We don't believe in eternal things because someone has taught us some old wives tales. We believe in God and we have a sense of the eternal because God's eternal nature has been impressed upon our deepest being. We cannot escape the desire for God. We cannot run away from the call of eternal things. We can sublimate that desire. We can cover it up with all kinds of distractions. But as long as we are human, we cannot avoid our deep desire for God and for eternal things. God's plan for us is that we live in the moment that we not fret about what will come, but that we trust God to have the future under control and... That we live in the light of eternity. That's what we were made for. I want to close with a warning and with an invitation. The warning is this. When our lives are consumed with satisfying ephemeral desires, there is nothing left over to satisfy our deepest Eternal longings. When we stuff ourselves with daily manna, there is no room for the eternal bread of heaven. Our world is full of distractions and diversions. As a culture, we are inundated with information and entertainment. We are distracted and amused by the endless stream of television programming by the infinite variety of the Internet. As a culture, we are so constantly distracted by mildly entertaining inputs that many of us behave like addicts. We become restless and irritable when the flow is cut off. We would never dream of staying in a hotel without Wi-Fi. When we pull up to a stoplight in the 20-second pause, we have our phones out to check to see if there's some signal from the outside world. As a culture, we have lost quietness and solitude. We don't really know how to be alone with our thoughts anymore. And in all of the noise and distraction we lose touch with the eternal. It's like light pollution in cities which prevents us from seeing the stars at night. In the pursuit of constant distraction, we lose something that we desperately need. Time alone with God. Space to see His face. Quiet to hear His voice. So here's my invitation. This week, take some time for God. Carve out some time in your schedule for the Word of God this week. Forget for a while the things connected with your daily bread. And focus instead, for a while, on the bread of heaven. Take a break from the noise And remind yourself what silence sounds like. Jesus is the bread of life. He is the word of God. He is the pulse of the universe. And if we take time for him, if we listen to him, we will feast on the very thing that we most deeply need. Jesus says, I am the bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. May we live in the moment and also live in the light of eternity. Let us pray. Father God, we ask that you would still our hearts and quiet our busy minds. We pray that in the quiet we might hear the pulse of your heart and know the rhythm of your truth. There is a harmony and a music in the movement of the spheres. And we resonate with that. We pray for the grace to open the space. We pray for quiet and silence to attend to your voice. Lord, I pray that we would not be distracted, but that we would be attentive to you. Because we need you, and because our hearts long for you, and because our souls hunger for you. We pray this day that you would continue to feed us with your word, your eternal word. Feed us for eternal life. This I pray in the name of Jesus, who is the word of God. Amen.